Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. I just cannot believe that we just passed episode 150. Yes. So just incredible milestone. And we think it was a really fun conversation as a, I don't know, 1.5 centennial. I don't know what to call it, but episode 150. Sure. Yeah. So I want to welcome all of you new listeners into the Fasting for Life podcast. If you want to learn more about myself and Tommy, how we came to fasting, how fasting has transformed our lives, and now how we've ended up here in episode 151, feel free to go back and listen to the first couple of episodes. Episode zero and episode one will give you some perspective on our journey, our story, and how we ended up here now living, breathing, talking, teaching, coaching on fasting 24-7-365. So yep. all you long-term listeners as well, thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued support. Yes. Uh, if you guys would be so gracious, if you like what you hear, go and drop us a review. We, of course, prefer the five-star kind. If you're finding value and you know application to the things that we talk about here, when you do that, you're going to tell the podcast gods that we are delivering value and something of value to the community. So please feel free to go ahead and drop us a review. I'm excited about today's conversation, Tommy, as we're going to pull an older article that we came across when I didn't even know what fasting was, right? Even though fasting has been around since the dawn of time. And if you really want to go down to the history books, go read The Fasting Cure by Upton Sinclair in 1911. You can Google it and it just pops up on your device. And somehow you can read this, you know, aggregation of letters and articles that were written and sent to Upton Sinclair back in 1911. It's really cool. But we're going to pull an article from 2007 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition called a controlled trial of reduced meal frequency without caloric restriction in healthy, normal weight, middle-aged adults. Mm. So that's episode one, excuse me, article one, episode 150, one. See what I did there? The Mm. second article is gonna be out of the Journal of Cell Metabolism. And this is more recent, just from last month, October of 2022. And this one is going to be the timing of daily calorie loading. So the timing of your meals and how it affects appetite and hunger responses without changes in energy metabolism. This is my favorite part here though. And don't worry, we're gonna unpack this. And as always, we're gonna deliver one or two actionable things that you can take from today's conversation and put into your daily fasting life. The cool thing about this second one is it's in healthy subjects with obesity. And there's going to be one big takeaway from this article that I think is going to speak to a lot of things that we hear in our challenges and our coaching group, in our emails and our messages on Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, 
about your fasting journey and what it looks like and how you set up your fasting schedule. Should I be doing two mat or one mat or one meal a day versus two meals a day? What's my window? Should I start with a this or a that window? Should it be yeah. 16 or 18 or 20 or warrior? All of those types of things. But the article that was back from 2007 really was looking at looking at three meals a day versus one meal a day, sort of, right, Tommy? <laughs> versus one meal a day, sort of, yeah. You know, I, I really like some of the focal points from, from these, but, but that was one that, that kind of hit me because when, when, you, when you see citations for, for different articles or, or you see like little blurbs or little snippets that are, you know, maybe they're on social media, sometimes they're in the news, you, you don't necessarily know what they did in the study, just you just kind of have that that little blurb right there. But it turns out when you start diving into the details, and that's where the devil is, right? It's in the details is that, you know, sometimes you find like, like on one of these, they, they talk about one meal a day, but one meal a day is actually a four hour nutrition opportunity and nutrition window. But even even that for for multiple weeks was delivered as literally two meals per day. But even just taking one meal per day and then expanding it into a four hour window, most people are going to end up doing two meals in that in that given structure anyway. So it's kind of a kind of like a misnomer, you know, saying that it, it was actually studying true one meal, one meal a day anyway. So when we get to the conclusion, some of them make more sense when we understand that it wasn't truly a one meal a day or like we would normally be talking about, especially for fat loss purposes. Yeah, and that's it's interesting. And I didn't know you were going to start right there, even though we had, had talked about this, yeah. like through through each going yeah. through the background and the objective and the design and the results. It is interesting that like just as we're about to like, all right, we've got our talking points. Let's let's make this actionable. Let's give them you know one or two main things they can do if this is what they're experiencing. And you reminded me that one of the first things that we created was a one meal a day resource. Yeah. So the fast start guide, it's free on our website. You can go grab it. We'll email it over to you. It's six steps on how to put one meal a day fasting into your day-to-day -day life as a fat loss strategy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Never mind all the additional fasting benefits, but you're going to be able to lose weight and curb your hunger and balance your mm -hmm. hormones and get all of those benefits while you're losing weight and figuring out how to adopt a fasting lifestyle. What we found is what you just described, which we uncovered here in the study, is that four hour, six hour, eight hour window is not effective for some people. This study was done without caloric restriction in healthy, normal weight, middle-aged adults, right? So right. we're not talking about the weight loss category here sure. of people that are trying to lose light weight like we were trying to yeah. lose the weight for all those decades and failing. The but the point is- Overweight to maybe even obese. Kind yeah, of overweight like to that, obese yeah. to, yeah, yeah, the BMI keeps going up, right? As mm -hmm. we go through the, the later decades in life, right? So the interesting thing was the results here, a couple of them was like, wait a minute, but why did that happen? And then you start kind of uncovering what they did. When we're looking at a true one meal a day and comparing it with that other study that we mentioned, which we'll go back to and, and wrap up today's conversation with, there's a couple of big takeaways. I liked some of the design of this study, which was eight weeks on, 11 weeks off, eight weeks on, mm -hmm. and everyone was able to maintain their weight, which was cool because yeah. after you lose the weight, well, how do you maintain it? Well, for some people, they're gonna do one meal a day. For others, they're going to want to ramp back out 
to doing more of a two meal a day or a four mm -hmm. to six hour window, right? Especially if they're working on body composition type stuff. Right. So what they did at the beginning of the study is what we found out is for the first two weeks, it was actually two meals a day. It was lunch and dinner. <laughs> and then for the remaining six weeks of the eight weeks, it was that four hour window where mm -hmm. they were going to be able to get in that 1700 to 2200 caloric intake. Now, mm -hmm. we've had some people that have come through the challenges and they've been like, how am I expected to eat all of my caloric intake in one meal? And the answer is you're not. Yeah, don't do that. Or you're going to feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, that, that kind of gets to the crux of the matter, which would be that if, if you're doing this for fat loss purposes, you're going to need to have a built-in caloric deficit, right? But there's a lot more benefits to doing one meal a day where you get the lowered insulin response over a prolonged period of time, which is a, a huge part of the equation, as opposed to just trimming off, you know, a few calories here and there from multiple meals throughout the day. And, and that's where we start to get into some of the additional benefit. But like we pointed out, going into a four hour window, it becomes much more realistic and doable to actually right. bring in, you know, hundred percent of your calories. Right. So I love this in the conclusions. They say normal weight subjects are able to comply with a one meal a day diet. Great. Cause there's a lot of studies that we know that people put you in time restricted feeding windows or time restricted eating windows. It's not sustainable, like severe, low carb for a lot of people, not sustainable, keto. super strict long -term. keto, keto, yeah. long-term, not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So I love that they're like, and, but you get to the end of the study, they're like, yeah, 67% of our subjects didn't make it to the completion. So I love that they start out here saying, yeah, everybody was able to do this, mm -hmm. right? And it's a four hour window. So yeah, if you've been fasting for any reasonable time saying, hey, eat between one and five, doesn't seem mm -hmm. that outlandish. When right. you first started thinking about one of the outcomes here was that hunger was a significant increase in the quote air quotes, one meal a day group mm -hmm. in that four hour group. And that is yeah. something that we see. But after we started digging in Tommy and looking at the types of foods they were eating and when they were being eaten, well, no wonder that hunger was increased and a, a feeling of fullness was never obtained. Yeah. So, you know, that, that four hour window was basically between 5 PM and 9 PM every night with a 50% carbohydrate macronutrient profile. So each meal was, was half carbohydrates and going into all the way up to 9 PM from my own personal experience, everybody who, who we coach with and go through the challenge and we talk to, absolutely. There is a huge correlation there with getting into the, into the later evening hours, carbohydrate consumption. Then we have a higher insulin response, which we know comes up more in the evening time, the later it gets on into the day. And then that's going to carry over into the next day. We, we're going to feel much more likely to be that, that like ravenous, that like deep, you know, hunger pangs and just those, those cravings, especially the carbohydrate cravings, which are particularly really, really tough when we have that sort of breakdown going into the evening hour. So I'm absolutely not surprised by that, that significant increase in hunger that we saw in this study. And that for me is really going to come down to hydration and the fact that you're not fat adapted yet. So you're still mm. used to burning glucose as an energy supply. Quickest way to get glucose into your bloodstream is to eat some carbohydrates, right? So sure. if the diet, which it was, you know, mainly consumed, it was 50% carbohydrates in both groups, about 35% fat and only 14 and a half percent protein. 
Mm. Well, one of the most satiating, two of the most satiating <laughs> macro groups out there yeah. are protein and its effect on blood stabilization, blood sugar stabilization, which decreases cravings and fat, healthy fats. So yeah. they were also feeding these individuals energy dense foods. So it doesn't say here whether or not that was processed foods, right? So if you're getting more calorically dense foods, if you compare a homemade pizza versus a, you know, Pizza Hut pizza, sure, right? Yeah. You're going to see a big difference in satiety, fullness, huge. and blood sugar response, right? Yep. So huge, even at the same calorie level. Right. Yeah. Right. So when we look at the results, it was cool because decrease in fat mass and the maintenance of weight, right? So increase in hunger, decrease in fat mass. Really cool to see that there was a greater decrease in fat mass in the one meal a day with equal calories, right? Just mm -hmm. different food timings of when they were yeah. eating those meals. You were able to see a more substantial reduction in fat mass, which obviously if you are coming to fasting to try to lose weight, that is something that you are going to be very happy to hear. Yeah, true, true. I did also notice that participants were given unlimited things like, let's see, they had water, coffee, but also diet soft drinks, salt and pepper. So the diet soft drinks as well, that's, that was just one, one more thing that talk about increasing certain cravings and yeah. hunger cues and things yep. like that, especially going into the evening time. You got this four hour right. window in the evening and that can lead to some slippery slope type of behavior with, with salty and crunchy and, and snacking and all, all these kind of like high insulin producing things. So I, I love the fact that there were big benefits here, even with some of these things that I, I would definitely point out as, as kind of like very much less than optimal, you know, conditions, especially for fat loss purposes. Yeah. One of the interesting things that we couldn't reconcile at first was why there would be an increase in blood pressure significantly higher in the one meal a day group. Yeah, versus 6%. the three meal a day group, right? About yeah. 6%. Cause typically what we've seen is that people that start fasting, you know, insulin comes down, aldosterone, kid, comes, down. aldosterone comes down, tells yeah. your kidneys to release the fluids, right? Which is why we yeah. talk about curbing cravings, curbing um, which can cravings, be increased yeah. <laughs> due to the amount of carbohydrates eaten later in the evenings. The next day, yeah. it's going to make your fast that much more difficult. Um, but also the fact that you're going to be losing those electrolytes, which will increase hunger as well. So, then we looked into a little bit deeper and then it said, well, yes, the measurements were taken in the morning before the first meal for the three meal a day group, but they were taken later right. in the day when blood pressure is normally higher anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, oh, okay. In, in, yeah. In the one meal a day group. In the one meal a day and, group. And that's after, that's around the time that the, the calories are coming in, the insulin's getting higher, right? Yep. So again, things start to start to make sense. It's, it's not optimally designed to, to find what we're, we're looking to actually achieve via one meal a day fasting, right? Yep. And then a couple other things here is the cool results between the three meal versus the one meal. We mentioned the decreased fat mass, right? And then triglycerides actually come down. Total cholesterol goes up slightly, mostly mm -hmm. from the LDL, which is going to be the process, the carbohydrate intake, but also the breaking down of those additional fat cells and becoming more fat adapted. Yeah. You will see a slight increase in LDL temporarily. Uric acid between the two groups stayed the same. So folks, we did a whole episode on gout. Can you mm -hmm. fast with gout? Dr. Perlmutter, yes, you can fast with gout because after your fast is broken, your uric acid levels return 
back to their baseline equally in fasting versus non-fasting. So mm -hmm. you are able to fast. You just need to figure out where your boundaries are because short-term uric acid does increase. But after these eight-week sessions of yeah. doing the one meal a day, it's actually equal to the three meal a day group. So mm -hmm. more of the lifestyle, inflammatory response, food choice category of things. But the huge one here, Tommy, the last one we're going to mention from this study and then transition into the, the hunger fullness component of this, which was elevated in the one meal a day group, is cortisol. Yeah. Cortisol was reduced by 40, not serum cortisol, by 49%. Let's just call it 50%. That's crazy. In the one meal versus the three meal. And I'm telling yeah. you, personal experience, 100%. Because yeah. high cortisol, poor sleep, high stress. So short-term, cortisol, elevation of cortisol helps you burn fat. Long-term mm. elevation of cortisol is part of the stress response, which can... Mm mimic and produce and proliferate insulin mm -hmm. resistance, which is weight yeah. loss resistance. So incredible here. This was like the biggest takeaway for me. It was like, wait a minute, 50% reduction no. is in a, a four hour window. Yeah. Like, is, is that a typo? Cause I mean, like the, the cortisol yeah, that's response. That's what you said. We had to go back <laughs> and look. We're like, wait, wait a minute. No, I, I've never seen a, an almost 50%, you know, drop in any like nutritional study that, that I've looked at before. It's, it's crazy. Cause I, I remember cortisol being like your, your Achilles heel, you know, yeah, it was. you know, you know, at the beginning of your fasting journey and like that, that's a huge part because, you know, as we've talked about before, our, our bodies are, are wired for the, for the tiger stress. But when we have that, that constant cortisol, that constant elevated cortisol that has an insulin resistance building effect in the body. That is, that is huge. So the, the fact that we could cut that down by half, just by compartmentalizing the meal timing, even though it wasn't the perfect way to do it. It wasn't the perfect nutrition, but it still had a huge effect to, to see that means that, you know, you're, you're literally making strides over a matter of, of weeks on insulin resistance, which is going to be a huge needle mover, maybe not on the scale, like right away immediately, but that is going to be a major point of improvement that, that you have control over right there, which is awesome. Yeah. And so one of the interesting things here, as we transition to the timing of daily calorie loading, mm -hmm. we'll explain that other study here in just a second, was when we were looking at when some of these diagnostics were taken mm -hmm. throughout the day. And the most subjects reported extreme fullness after the meal and had difficulty finishing their food in the allotted time but the subjective hunger and satiety assessments were not made after that evening meal. So it's like, well, we need more research to figure out, does this really help with satiety if you decrease the meal frequency? Well, the non-clinical proven application in what we hear and what we've experienced in taking you know, however many thousand of people through, through the challenge now is that it absolutely does. Yeah. And it is shown that way in that other study when we transition into the timing of daily calorie loading affects appetite and hunger responses without changes in energy metabolism in subjects with obesity. So we're looking at isoenergetic weight loss diets. So I write equal with morning loaded or evening loaded calories. So the other study mentioned, yeah, we didn't really do it, but what we found is people were more hungry because you've been thinking about food all day, right, waiting yeah. to eat. <laughs> And then they were having trouble during the window, right? Even though mm -hmm. out of all the participants, only one person quit because they said they, they couldn't handle 
trying to consume all of that in a short period of time at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. Um, four hours. Right. That, that four hours. So if you are getting to the point when you're fasting and you're thinking about it and you're more hungry as the day goes on, right? But then you don't have the satiety effect. And we already unpacked why that could be later in the day, more carbohydrates, hydration issues, right? Energy dense foods, possibly eating some of those more, you know, highly palatable, more processed type foods to get the calories in. Mm -hmm. This other study was showing that the morning loaded versus evening loaded. So in the morning, it was 45% of your caloric intake, 35%, 20% versus the flip. So both of these groups had three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The flip group yeah. was 20% breakfast, 35% lunch, 45% dinner. So that second group was me minus the 20%. Like I would grab a protein bar, right? So what's that? Maybe mm -hmm. 10% of my, if it's 200 calories, 10% of my yeah. daily intake, right? Sure. I was always starving after that 200 calorie protein bar or, you know, 350 calorie, response. you know, bulletproof coffee, protein shake, whatever it was. Right. So it was interesting that the morning group found a much better response with their hunger if they were yeah. putting the majority of their intake in the morning. So from a fasting perspective, Tommy, how does that how does that look? Yeah, I mean, from a fasting perspective, it's kind of interesting because when we're, we're talking three meals a day, we're still going to have elevated insulin throughout right. the day, you know, right? So, so that's going to be a, a big hit for, for our, our fasting, especially for, for fat loss purposes. But as far as putting those, those calories and actually getting in a meal early in the day, it was cool to, to see that hunger came, came down, probably like thoughts and cravings and things like that did come down. So like I looked at this, this study design going, they're not moving the needle a whole lot here. I almost feel like we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit to go like 20% versus 45% of calories between those two meals because I, I know from experience, it, it took so much more than doing just that to actually get you know the scale to move, especially after years of insulin resistance you know piling on. So the, the nice thing is to, to break away from like, cravings and like really, really tough hunger in the evening hours, which can be a really slippery slope for a lot of folks. It was for me, was for right. my dad, a lot of stuff like that. That could be a really good thing. So if you are eating multiple meals throughout the day, but you don't focus on like a nutritious, good, substantial breakfast, and you have trouble in the evening time, like closing your window or like controlling your own habits and behaviors, this could be something that could really help if you, if you actually did this deliberately. And not a lot of people talk about intermittent fasting with breakfast and lunch with and breakfast, omitting yeah. dinner. Yeah, true. true. It's and kind a of lot like of <laughs> nutritionists, diet, dietitians, registered nurses, health professionals will say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, mm -hmm. but not a, you know, standard American breakfast, which yeah, sure. could be, you know, Dessert for breakfast. Dessert in like a box say, for breakfast. Right? Yeah. Dessert in a box, yeah. right? Yeah. So there was one subsequent well. study here that I love that they put in the introduction, and it was out of the Journal of Obesity in 2013. High caloric intake at breakfast versus dinner differentially influences weight loss of overweight and obese women. Mm -hmm. And they showed that a group of 93 overweight women were fed isochloric diets over 12 weeks with morning loaded and evening loaded calorie intake runs in a parallel design. Mm -hmm. Those who consume most of their intake in the morning relative to the evening lost an additional 5.1 kilograms of weight overall. Wow. Over 10 pounds. Over 10 pounds. That's cool. Yeah. Right. And then there's another one 
Same year, late eaters lost less weight than early eaters over a 20 week, resulting in a 2.2 kilogram difference. Yeah. So wow. one of the things that we say in the fast start guide that comes with the, the videos accompanying each step is pick your favorite meal. Now, yeah. familial wise, like family relationally, relationally, mm -hmm. can't say that word today, so I'm just <laughs> going to move on. Don't edit that out is peek behind the curtain. We don't usually edit that stuff out. Like this right. is it. It's a real conversation, yeah. real actionable steps with fasting. How do we get a fasting lifestyle in, right? I We're chose- polishing it, right? No, yeah. I chose, no, this is, this is who we are. Trust me. Some people out there like to comment on our grammar sure. and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. if, that's, if that's your takeaway from this, probably yeah. not the right place for you, but <laughs> come back and listen anyway, it's cool is that I wanted dinner because that's when I could sit down and eat with the family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, Me all right, too. well, I'm going to do OMAD, but I'm going to do evening. And then the window turns into a gray session and the pantry door yeah. never closes. And then the snacking comes back. And you had mentioned that- You're talking about me bad, right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. Those evening bad habits can come back into play as well. Yes. So it's like, all right, well, if you're struggling with the hunger and the satiety and the fullness and all of those things, you're not seeing the scale move and you're still having trouble making a better- more nutrient dense, less processed food choices, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's probably time to move that meal earlier in the day and try yeah. a, a morning to midday window rather than that evening OMAD slash window as the other study had it set up. Yeah, that's a great point. I really like that because then you get the additional benefit of, of still dropping the insulin level, especially yep. if you're, especially if you're going past like the, the 16, 18 hour mark on, on a lot of those days, like if you did one day as a breakfast, one day as a dinner, or one day as a lunch, just kind of mix it up a little bit yeah. rather than just the easy kind of automatic, like everyday OMAD dinner is what we find that a lot of folks just kind of settle into. Like that that can be a, a really cool like comfort zone. But at the same time, if it's if it's not serving you or you're not getting exactly what you want out of it, then it, it's time to mix things up a little bit, right? It's try to time to to try something a little bit differently. And, and see if we can get a different result out of it. So I, I really like that. And, and that could give you enough time where you have those social opportunities, the family and, yes. and everything else. And, Business lunches and yeah. friends that are in town and yeah. breakfast brunches for special occasions and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah you got more tools in your tool belt now. You're, you're a little more flexible with your fasting. So you don't have to be a fasting monk, you know, to, to actually kind of move the needle and, and be moving in the right direction. Yeah, and there's a whole handful of other studies that they reference here, you know, 2020 study on TRF comparing, you know, midday versus later in the day windows, and then mm -hmm. another TRF study, you know, calorie intake window during the middle of the day compared to the evening, reduced body weight and body fat, you know, no results in this one, but there's a consistent thread in all of these, you know, varying from 2007 through 2012 to 2015, 2018, 2020, this one in mm -hmm. 2022 is, there's probably something here about eating earlier in the day to yeah. avoid the trap of overconsumption in the evening. And that's why we felt mm -hmm. that these two studies went really well together. And as an overview or a takeaway, as we wrap up today's conversation, Tommy, and if you're looking for the fast start guide, feel free to head to the website, thefastingforlife.com, thefastingforlife.com forward slash resources. You mm -hmm. will see the fast start guide. We'll send it over to you. You'll also get access to the accompanying mini masterclass that comes with that, which is six short videos, about 18 or 20 minutes in videos that explain each step 
and showing you how to put one meal a day fasting into your fasting lifestyle. Now, the caveat mm -hmm. is, if you're using this as a fat loss method, then don't do what the first study did, which was, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do one meal a day versus three meals a day, and the one meal a day is gonna be four hour window. Right, really Ease into it, okay? Ease into it, right? Four hours, small meal, second meal, that's fine, but really try to focus on that one meal aspect to get the weight off. And if you're like, wow, is that too fast? Well, what do I do? What about my print? Go check out the slew of podcasts that we have. We've talked about all of those different things at this point, but we've never talked about this specific strategy with OMAD when it comes to hunger and satiety, which is really cool and how both of these studies kind of came together to highlight some of those pitfalls that we yeah. hear from a lot of folks, Tommy. So as we wrap up today, yeah. any additional final thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, uh, one that, that really stuck out to me was the fact that these studies, they were looking at, you know, what was actually happening within body composition, blood work, how hungry you were, you know, all these kind of things. But but one cool thing that was shown multiple times was fat mass coming down yep. and fat free mass staying staying the same across multiple weeks, losing multiple pounds and, you know, muscle mass, bone density, all that kind of stuff. Fat free mass was stable while fat mass was coming down. So there's just there's so much to be benefited from, you know, for for getting this right, for getting OMAD right, for doing something different that moves the needle. And, you know, like if you're if you're starting with changing where your calories are coming from beginning of the day versus end of the day, that's great. But don't let that be the stopping point, especially if you have more to do. If you need to do more, then then keep going with it. Like get that part right and then keep keep pushing so you can keep moving the needle. I just really love where the conversation starts and then where it's heading as well. Yeah, you had said something about the the idea that we talk a lot about, and I want to open up another rabbit hole here, but I just want to make sure mm -hmm. that we land the plane on this because when you said it to me, it was pretty- Sounds like a um, cliffhanger. Sounds like a cliffhanger for yeah, another episode. Yeah, in next right? episode, no, yeah, yeah. where you said, we're, we talk a lot about in the second study where it's like, we're not really talking about the needle movers. Right. We're talking about a lot of the fluff on the outside. Yeah. Right. So but, let's but those are the things I used to think about all the right. time and like split the hairs and, and, you know, like try Give me to some find, examples, uh, putting you on the couch. Yeah. No, the, the example was literally like, if I'm counting everything, all my macros, all my calories, then it, it shouldn't matter one iota. If I have them all within a 30 minute window, you know, if, if I just took in everything in 30 minutes, if that was physically possible versus all scattered grazing throughout the day. And, and it also shouldn't matter if I have more of those calories in the morning time versus the evening time. But there are real significant differences there. Right. However, I didn't understand at the time that there was more beyond that too, that like there was right. a keep going like, yeah, okay, we're 2% of the way there. You got a lot further to go, buddy. Like keep, keep pushing. Yes. Yeah, so what I'm hearing there is, is keep it simple, right? Yeah. Keeping simplify. it simple and focusing on the timing, how you feel, the food choices you're making and how consistent you are in the beginning when you come to fasting are some of those main pitfalls that we see that, yes. that allow people to adopt the fasting as a diet rather than a lifestyle where it's like, oh, yeah. it's not working for me. I'm on or off That's just it. like any other diet, right? Um, if yep. I'm doing it, it's working. Again. Not, well, yeah. how do we adopt that into a lifestyle? And that's some of the things that we talked about today, Tommy. So I love that you got it. perspective as we wrap up today's conversation. If you want to continue the conversation, head over to the website, grab the fast start guide, six simple steps to add 
one meal a day fasting into your fat loss journey. Yeah. And then also you can join us in our Fasting for Life community group on Facebook. It's a great community. It's growing organically. We're yeah. in there supporting, answering questions. Everyone that's you know of like mind in the fasting world, uh, you can come in, share your thoughts, share your struggles, share your wins. It's a great group, tons of good energy. Yeah. So we want to invite you to head over there as well. You can go to the show notes or the website to find out more information. Tommy, as always, sir, as we wrap up today's conversation, thank you. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.